0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Geordie Gifts. Now, you may have noticed that my accent is a bit of a giveaway as to where I'm from. So, if you're a fan of the dialect or know someone who loves a good Geordie accent, then I'm going to suggest you visit Geordie Gifts. Why, I hear you ask? Not only do they have a plethora of canny gifts available, such as mugs, plaques, and cards, but they all have different Geordie sayings and lingo on them. If that's not sold you, what if I said that I can get you 10% off an order? All you have to do is add ramble 10, that's Ramble10, that's ramble one at the checkout to get 10% off an order. Mint, eh? Right, onto the podcast. Uh, welcome back to Runners Ramble podcast. I'm joined by, I think it's quite safe to say one of my biggest guests on the podcast. I'm joined by probably, if not the greatest distance runner of all time. I'm joined by Paula Radcliffe. How are you doing, Paula?
1: I'm good, thank you.
0: Thank you very much. It's, it's a bit of an honour to have you on the podcast. I never thought when I started last year that I'd have... The Paula Radcliffe on the podcast. Um, just to get the ball rolling, because I haven't got as much time with you, I'm going to do a little this or that quick fire round with Okay. Ready, okay? Mm-hmm. So first off, tea or coffee? Coffee. 5k or 10k? 5k with
1: the kids.
0: Track or road? Road. Chicago or London? London. Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman?
1: <laughs> Wonder Woman.
0: Can you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Uh, a little birdie told me that um, although you're the current holder of the Women's Marathon World Record, um, is there another world record you want to have a crack at, i.e. running as a superhero? As no, th- I think <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> Ali Dixon just having a laugh. Um, and she's the one doing that. So yeah, no, I think that was Ali's idea.
0: Yeah, she told me, I'd ask about this. So mm. uh, if you've got anything I should point, it's towards Ali Dixon. Um, <laughs> so nothing in that for... Or a uh,
1: no, no. I think I'll leave that to Ali, but I know she is making an attempt this year at the Great North Run. All right, to raise money for the uh, hospice. Ah. I can't remember the name of the hospice, but the hospice that um, yeah. is close to her.
0: I mean, right, so to get to get the, the podcast roll. Well, I mean, I've. I've I was reading and listening to mm. different podcasts and different interviews that you've been doing. I mean, one thing that stands out to me is um, June 2004, the, the Athens Marathon, where things didn't go to plan. Mm. You mentioned that you hit the wall, and it's something you've never, ever done before. Mm. When, when you hit that wall, I mean, I'm speaking from an everyday runner, you see, so we tend to hit the wall quite a lot compared to elite athletes. What was the, the emotion and what was the, the feeling when you were like, oh my God, this is horrific?
1: Well, I mean it was huge there but I think first of all to set the scene a little bit there are different walls in the marathon and there's a psychological wall that you hit and then there's the physiological wall when you essentially run out of fuel which is what happened to me in Athens Um, and that's what had never happened to me before and thankfully didn't really happen since either Um, because if you pay enough attention to the fueling and things then it should be okay Um, but because I had been injured just a couple of weeks before a lot of stress, trying to get that better, reacting badly to the anti-inflammatories that they gave me to help me be able to run, meant that I wasn't absorbing food, and so that was what ultimately happened in the race, I just didn't have power to to run anymore, I couldn't even hold a straight line running, couldn't even really think straight, Um, so it's it's hard to kind of remember exactly what I felt, other than being quite scared and not knowing what was happening to my body, because I couldn't keep running. Um, and then the emotional side of it was just the fact that it was the Olympic Games and yeah. the best shot at the Olympic Games and the one that I should have really been able to to at least medal at, if not win at, and I couldn't even finish the race.
0: It was heartbreaking to watch because that my, that's my first real Olympic memories. If you walked around the 2004 Athens Marathon, and me and my friend were sitting watching, going, What's going on? There this, this should be water in the park. But it was such a shame to see. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd ask that, you know, the war and it's because we all experience it. Yeah, and, it's different yeah, and there's stages. different
1: ones, I mean, there are psychological rules, and there are like mental preparation, mental coping techniques that yeah. you can you can learn, you can do to, to help you get through that. But if you actually run out of fuel, there's not a lot at that point in time that yeah. sadly you can do about it.
0: So, you know, recently we don't really say you compete as much, not really. I mean, is there, when you go out on online, when you go for occasional fun runs and just go for a run around, say yeah. a park or where you live, is a when you're coming down from that higher elite training to just regular going around them for a couple of miles, is there still a point where you're like thinking, oh, I used to run this mile this quick, or oh, I used to run mile that quick, and then you, do you get a little bit competitive with yourself?
1: Still? Not really, no. Um, and I probably surprised myself a little bit with that. But running for me now is is completely different to what it was before. But at the same time, it's the same thing because it's what I enjoy doing. It makes me feel better. It makes me feel happier in myself and it helps me to process and make decisions and and put things in perspective a little bit when I'm running so I still use it for that but I don't start the watch a lot of the time I don't compare with what I did before because I know I'm not running anywhere near as fast but I'm still getting enjoyment from the run it's just a different purpose and before all of the training had a specific purpose for every run and now I really can just go out and just decide on the run how far I'm doing what I want to do who I want to run with and what pace I want to run at Um, and I quite like doing that
0: (laughs) So uh, you mentioned like the, you mentioned GPS watches and stuff. I mean, I, asked this, I sent this question to Angie when um, I think we were uh, doing promoting the Durham five and ten k event. Um, I asked you about the tech and what we've got now. Um, am I right? thinking that you used to you got a pair of Nike waffles when you were a kid. To, is that what your first? My first were, pair, were pair of sh-
1: my first pair of trainers were a waffle it, trainer. Yeah.
0: Was it the Nike Streak that you brought the It was that
1: in, or was um, it, it, it. No, it was the Streak Echidin, and then it was the Zoom Marathon.
0: Hiya, sorry I know you're listening to the podcast, it's just a quick message to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Geordie Gifts, so if you're a big fan of all things Geordie, then go and head over to Geordie Gifts. They've got a plethora of canny gifts such as mugs, plaques, cards, the works, so go and have a look at the website, the website's in the show notes, but as a bonus, here's a discount code for you to get 10% off. If you enter RAMBLE10, that's ramble L E one zero at the checkout, you get 10% off. How about that, eh? Belter. Right, back to the podcast. Did, did you ask for the, the, like, as many pairs as they possibly had with that? Or was that just a group? No,
1: no, that was a training shoe. Yeah. So, that was a training shoe that I used to train in all the time, um, called the Nike Women's Althea. And they took it out of production. And so, when I found out that, I took as many as I could of the pairs that were still floating around. I hadn't think I had 150 pairs. Um, and they then tried to make another batch but the, the last broke so they couldn't make any more of that shoe but i still have about ah. five left
0: that's not a bad corner to be fair mate. Like. but what i was going to ask on that is like when you see the, the technology that developed since the last when you were like running with the world records and winning marathons for fun is there like a small part of you that's just like oh, i kind of wish i had those like zoom x 4% or so the vapor flies there's a small part and think, you know what if i had those maybe i could run i don't know Yeah,
1: well, I mean, you never can tell now. And when I say it, I say it very much tongue-in-cheek, a joke. Um, I reckon I could have run 2.12 and then, but it's it's a joke because I never will know. At the time, I had the best best shoe available to me. It's true that it has evolved a lot. It's also true that my career pretty much got ended, my competitive career, by a foot injury, and the next percent actually really restore efficiency to my foot that I've lost with that surgery. So now it feels like they would give me a huge boost, but maybe when I was back racing, it wouldn't have given me that much extra. But you can never answer those questions, and the technology is always developing. It is a better shoe than what I raced in, but at the time, that was the best shoe I could have raced in.
0: So I thought if somebody wants to run that quick in that yeah. you know, shoe, <laughs> Uh, but now you're you're starting to get you're in commentary now you were up there with Crummy. When you would, when you would watch athletics on the TV, would, did you sit there and go, I could do that. That's no problem whatsoever. But then when you went to the commentary boxes, it like, oh my God, this is a little bit more tricky than what I thought. What was the transition like from? No, it was. Fan to actual country I months? think
1: I was I was really lucky. I mean, I'd always I'd really admired the the commentators, and I can remember back to Durham Cross Countries like early 90s going into the commentary box after I'd run and Brennan talking to me there and so I'd kind of been sort of learning little bits but I already appreciated how hard it was and I think if you can't be out there competing then next best place is to have the privilege of relaying it to everybody else but it absolutely is a skill that needs learning and I really needed to learn at the beginning I still feel like I've got a lot to learn Um, but it's also a really nice almost family camaraderie atmosphere that we have uh, in the commentary box. Crammy's helped me a lot, Brent helped me a lot before that, Um, Steve Backley, uh, Andrew Cotter, everybody gives a lot of advice and and helps with things so you you feel like you can learn in situ and then witness some amazing races as well.
0: It's it's, it's probably the best seat in the house. I mean, I get quite envious of people who can commentate. Like there's Bingo Sport, to how the commentators. Yourself and Kami, they all commentate. I would have given it a go, and I have given it a go once. I'm not very good. Because the accent, but I'm supposed to, to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not the sure it's the accent. Brilliant.
1: I think it is practice, and then I think that's where Crammy was very, very good and explaining to me how long it had taken him to learn. Because I think you go in and you sit next to him and you think he's just always been as brilliant as that. And yeah. then when he tells me some of the things that he's said and he's like, Don't beat yourself up about that when you say something you go, like, Oh god, what did I say that for? Yeah. He's like, Don't beat yourself up. Once it's done, it's done. You just make sure that you learn each time going forward. So he's been great with advice like that.
0: Oh, Trump, he's out and about there. Yeah, he'll be, be running, running around getting or, yeah, stressed. And <laughs> I think there I'll might be him. a burst water pipe that's uh, done a bit of damage, I think. I oh, know, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine what that would be like. Um, you're up here to promote the family Families on Track in Durham. Um, I know that the, the, the entry's closed, I think, about two days ago, but can you just briefly tell us what it's about and what it's hoping to encourage and a bit more about the event.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Families on Track is an idea I've been working on for, God, about, probably about four or five years. Um, Since uh, I ran a a local relay race with my daughter, and she said, oh, that was so much fun. Why don't we do more of those? You should organize those. Um, And the rising obesity crisis, and especially in youngsters and kids today, and the lack of physical activity is pretty scary. And I think as a parent, and as somebody who loves running and who had gained a lot from running, I wanted to do something about that. So Families on Track was an idea I talked about with Grammy and Al. Uh, and then they said look we'll put it on and we'll see so this is really like fingers crossed could be complete chaos but i'm hoping it's a fun day out it's not supposed to be super competitive it's just supposed to be the family having fun together mixing it up a little bit and hopefully walking away from it thinking that was something we really enjoyed, quality family time, we got some exercise as well, we had a lot of fun, we want to do the next one and maybe we'll keep going for a run as a family every weekend in the park which is what we would r- really like to see.
0: It does sound like a lot of fun, um, is it, I mean we'll see how this first year goes, I'm sure it'll be a success because a lot of, <laughs> the North East is quite known for its runners. So yeah but you're working thinking. with a load of kids here, uh, what, well, what, what could go, go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Before I let you go, um, I've got those two things, one I always like to finish up this with everyone I ask, if there was a race you could make up or an event, well, you've already made one up, <laughs> if there was a dream running event you could do um, aside from the, the, the family run, what would it have be been, where would it have be been, why?
1: Oh god, that's a really good question. I think it would be more to me about the people coming together, Yeah. so I would like to run a really cool marathon but get the opportunity to run it with, with greats like Ingrid Christiansen, um, Joan Benoit, uh, Samuelson, just kind of Liz McColgan, Greta Weitz, if she was still around. I would love to be able to like bring people in just to, to run around and experience that with everybody together. Emil Zatterpeck. I'd love to be able to put everyone together. Yeah. that's the that pretty impossible out, <laughs>
0: It's a question that catches a lot of people out because they say, oh my God, I, I don't actually know. Um, I've got you a little something. Oh, thank sure you. me this. Um, it's a little Geordie Gifts key ring it's to <laughs> the podcast um, so if you get stuck with some slang
1: okay well, I did just one. get here my son got out of the car and he said mummy what language do they speak in Durham
0: <laughs> show them the key ring and we <laughs> can perfect. learn it you <laughs> can learn it no Paula thank you so much for thank being you. on the podcast it's an absolute honour to have you on um hopefully the event will go well on Saturday mm-hmm. um, and if we're running the 5 or 10k good luck and
1: yeah we're running the 5k as well tonight myself and my well, daughter so you can
0: so enjoy it it might be a bit hot though Ah, uh, yeah <laughs> yes but enjoy enjoyed. yeah That's we will
1: too. thank you good luck everyone